and welcome back into the Pillow Fort. It is Sunday, the 25th of February at 8.20 in the evening. Outside here in lovely Jamestown, it's 20.9 degrees, but apparently it feels like 14.8. And let's have a chat. So, how was everybody's week this week? Uh, mine was extremely, extremely busy. I uh, spent the week up in Port Augusta working. So I'm home now. I'm sorry it's been a little bit of a break in transmission. I uh, bought a microphone to record on, and the microphone I had purchased to record on turns out doesn't work on a MacBook Air. Um, then I went today and bought another microphone, a little bit better one, and turns out that one doesn't work on the MacBook Air either. So I'm currently using the headset off my Xbox, which I have found works quite uh, acceptably in uh, recording uh, because it's got the three ring thing on the plug thing that plugs into the MacBook. So I will need to get myself a uh, USB mixer um, in the near future. Um, I have plans coming up to uh, to go away and maybe get some guests on the show. Um, I'm heading to Queensland in June and I've teed up with my two best mates in Queensland that they want to come on the show and we'll have a bit of a chat while I'm up there. We'll drink some scotch and, and talk some shit, which we normally do anyway, but this time we will record it because we have talked about before about recording our conversations sometimes because they're, they're quite interesting. Um, make some very interesting listening back to for people. So, let's, uh, enough with the uh, that stuff, let's hook in. Um, so today was, for me, was SASMA Day. Uh, it's the annual sports trainers conference at Adelaide Oval that I go to every year. This is, this will be the probably third or fourth year it's running. Um, I go down each year and we have uh, lectures and workshops and people come in and talk about training, um, about medical stuff, um, about rehabbing players, about the new stuff within concussion and injury management and that sort of thing. Um, it's it's quite interesting. It's well worth um, the time that I take to go down there. It starts at quarter past eight in the morning, so it was a uh, five o'clock leave from Jamestown this morning and head down for the day and uh, meet up with some other trainers. Uh, it's good to catch up with a few other trainers that I don't actually see that often. Um, I know most of them I only see at zone time, um, or I see them at this conference. Um, I think everyone gets a fair bit out of it. It's, it's a very, very well-run well run day. Um, Adelaide Oval is a beautiful venue for doing uh, things of that nature. Um, even better today, the, uh, the Shield game started against Queensland, so... When we had a bit of a break, you could sneak outside onto the onto the balcony and watch a bit of cricket, which was even better. And you do you do see the fact that most of the people in the room were actually country trainers. Um, there wasn't that many city trainers there, so um, I think from my perspective, the city trainers need to get off their ass and turn up to this thing. If us country people can drive, you know, three hours, there was guys there from the west coast that come down for the weekend. There, you know, they're effectively. Some of those guys are five, six, seven, seven hours from Adelaide. So if they can make their way there, it'd be be quite nice if some of the uh, if the town trainers could make it there and actually, you know, get get a few people there and, and uh, 
make an actual decent day of it with other trainers there and there's a few things you know I'd like to see him work on and I'll put on my review when I put it back in there that maybe it'd be a good thing to um, to have a trainers forum every year um, where we can sort of sit down and we get you know we get an hour with um, where we sit there in the and the guys from Sasma sit up the front and we just you know fire questions at them about the way things of way things are going and if there's anything else that can be done but I did notice today, on a negative note from today, I was standing there this morning at about quarter past eight when registrations opened and I grabbed my uh, my bag and, and all my information and I sort of went and grabbed a cup of juice and I stood in the corner and just had a look at look at who was there and, and noticed that probably the average age in the room would have been about 50. 50, 45, 50, maybe 55, even a few up on that because we do it for the love of the game. It seems like now you just retire from football or you retire from sport and you don't give back anymore. You don't, you, it's like you don't have to give back anymore. You think, you know, my service to the club was playing. But I'm sorry, but that's not your service to the club. Your, it was a privilege for you to be able to play that sport with that club. Now that that's over... Your service to the club starts now. Your service to the club starts the day that you retire from whatever sport you're playing. That's when you get on the committees, you join the social committees, you join the game day groups, you become a trainer, you run water, you give back to the people that and help out the people that helped you. So, you know, you've got trainers there that, you know, I know our club in Jamestown, we have three trainers. That's it, three trainers, and we have four games of football on a Saturday, and we have three trainers. You know, when I was doing the year before, I had a year off last year, um, although it didn't really seem like a year off because I still did six games of football, but I had a year off last year, and in my year off, uh, I, well, the year before, sorry, the year before my year off, I was getting to football at eight o'clock in the morning, and I wasn't going home until seven o'clock at night. So you can imagine how busy, you know, how much. That's a, that's a long day at the football on a Saturday and all you're doing is training for the whole day. Now, to be fair, I'm I'm used to that sort of thing because I've done that my whole life. I've been a trainer since I was 17 years old. Um, I've been a level two trainer since I was 18 years old. Um, when I did my, when AFL Queensland paid for me to do my level two, I was 18. So I've done rep footy, I've done club footy, I've done SNFL footy and I've done AFL footy. So the whole thing about, you know, doing six or seven hours at the football, for me, that's that's not an issue. But for other volunteers, that's definitely an issue. For parents of players and that sort of thing, it's definitely an issue. And it's not fair on your or to expect your support staff to do seven hours of volunteering in a day. And I personally, I don't think clubs care. Um, they just think that, you know what, it'll happen. You know, they've been there. They'll keep coming back. And they they're going to run into problems. We're running into problems now trying to find volunteers. You know, it's, we're, what, a month and a half? Oh, what are we? 25th of February, so we're probably about a, a month or so away from the start of the season, and we're only just locking in team managers and coaches of junior football now. And, you know, the guy coaching junior football this year is the same guy that I just coached under-16s cricket with. Neither of us have kids. Neither of us have partners. Neither of us have any reason to get out of bed at 6 o'clock on a Saturday morning 
and go and coach junior sport at 8 o'clock. I, yeah, I, we do it because we love it and we want to see the kids play. That's why we do it. That's why I coached under 16 creep for the last two years and two years of under 13s before that. I did it because I love it. I, you know, I love seeing young cricketers try and fulfill their potential. I like, you know, I love seeing them learn. And I love seeing me how to play the game. The best thing about cricket is being out there and playing it. And if you don't have a coach, you're not going to play it. So, you know, it's good value to see the kids get out there and play. And with footy now, with the way things are in the world and, and the way things are in relation to concussion especially, it's, you know, I'm... I've come back into the club this year, back into my local club here in Jamestown, and I've taken back on the head trainer's role in a co-head trainer's role with the head trainer from last year who took over from me um, to free me up a little bit more due to the fact that I, you know, I spend a lot of time working away now, um, you know, working in Port Augusta a week, a week and a half a month and, you know, a couple of days here and there and then I've got to go bush and that sort of thing. So, you know, I'm I'm away a bit, so it's good to have have her there to work with me in the role as well so you know we're, we're kind of lucky she's a massage therapist um has her own practice you know I'm a level two trainer obviously like I said you know I've ran through what I did before um so you know it's actually it's we're, we're a pretty good crew we work really really well together and we've got it pretty much down with the two of us but it'd still be nice to have you know maybe two people to do the junior cults and two people to do the senior cults. So, you know, I don't feel like there's so much pressure for me to get there in the morning to make sure that these kids have got, you know, help around them medical-wise because if I'm not there, then, you know, there's... Luckily, there's an Ambo who, who is, uh, whose son's playing football, so, you know, he goes to watch his son play football, but, yeah, you can't put it on him as well. It's, it's up to all the parents to, to help out, but... It just seems like parents aren't really that interested in, in helping as much anymore. I don't know whether it was the same when I was growing up. Um, I don't feel like it was the same. Um, I had two coaches at uh, under-16 level for cricket and I had three coaches at under-13 level for cricket and under, uh, under-12s, I think, I had two coaches out there too, so... I don't feel like it was as hard to get volunteers. It may well have been, but, yeah, I, I don't feel like it was like that. I And, you know, that's the thing I always tell people about training all the time. I said, you know, you can become a level one. You don't have to do what I do. The only reason I can do what I do is because of the experience that I've had and the extra educational opportunities I have working under a fantastic head trainer at Glenelg Footy Club um, with one of the best training groups in the SANFL when we were all there. You know, we all learned off each other. We bounced ideas off each other. We had one of the best club doctors, if not the best club doctor, going around um, in the SANFL who was, you know, there was, for, for him... Um, he'd give us all the information we ever wanted. He'd tell us everything we ever wanted to know. We just had to ask and he would tell us, you know, what's going on and and what to do and that sort of thing. And he gave us a lot of responsibility. So I think as a training group, the group that I with worked with down there were actually the best training group going around. Um, we all worked AFL. Every single one of us in that group worked AFL. The, the, the stuff you learn from there, the stuff you learn from representative football with working with other people. You know, I tell people all the time, like, look, you don't have to base what you do off what I do. I'm happy if you just want to come 
in, strap a couple of ankles, rub a couple of legs, sit on the bench with me, go out and deal with an injured player if you want to go out and do it or I can go out and do it. Just, you know, just hang around and learn some things. It starts with the experience. It starts with learning. Uh, it starts with looking at things. It starts with dealing with injuries. It goes into listening to what the doctor says, making sure your players go and get their rehab plans from the physio, then reading the notes that the physio gives, talking to the physios if they come down, talking to the doctors, talking to the players. You know, the only way you get better at what you do is learning. It's the same with everything. You don't go into your your weekly job and expect to be an expert straight away, do you? Like, you know, you've, you learn. You learn as you go. Yeah, you make mistakes. Hell, we've all made mistakes. Note it down in the book and go, right, oh, well, next time, make a better decision. Um, go with your gut. And in a lot of cases, if it doesn't look right, it's probably not right. Okay, so, change of tact here. Um, yesterday or last night on the phone, uh, my best mate from Queensland rang and he'd have been having a, uh, a couple of sneaky vodkas and I ended up in a three person phone call with one of our other friends and something come up about ghosts and Kesha and I might've mentioned that, did you know that Kesha fucked a ghost? Um, they seemed remarkably amazed by the fact that Kesha fucked Kesha fucked a ghost and didn't actually uh, realise, didn't remember the story. So I read them out the story uh, over the phone and, yeah, interesting at best. So what I've decided I'd do now is is I just had a uh, bit of a Google Play and I found this article on BuzzFeed. It's called, We Tried to Have Sex Sex with Ghosts and Here's What Happened by three staff at uh, BuzzFeed. Katie Heaney, Arana Rebolin, or something, Rebolini, Rebolini, Alana Rebolini, maybe, and I Explorer, all stuff at BuzzFeed. So we'll skip the most political article and we'll get down to uh, the steps to having sex with a ghost. Okay, step number one. Be in a great personal space. Clean, happy, good mood. Be in your good senses. Right. Right. Um, problem. Red flag, straight away. Um, flags on the ground. You can't be um, in a good sense and a good headspace if you're planning to have sex with a ghost. Just throwing it out there. You need some professional help if you think this is going to happen. Okay, step number two. Prepare your space. Candles, incense, mood lighting, sexy music. So I was like, mmm, baby. I can't stop loving you, baby. Mm, yeah. Bit of Barry Manilow to get you in the mood. Um, do not burn sage. They will keep the spirits away. Right. Okay. Uh, Step number three, define your space and set boundaries, i.e. bedroom only. So when Ghosty McGhostface comes down and you're about to go to Plowtown, 
before they go to Plough Town, make sure you sit on the edge of the couch with Ghosty McGhostface and you have a conversation. You say, okay, Ghosty McGhostface. When we bang and we go to Plough Town, we go to Ghosty Ghost Playtown, Plough Town, it's only happening in this room. This room only. I'm going to shut the bedroom door. This is our fuck dungeon. This is sounding a lot like Fifty Shades of Grey. A fuck dungeon with a ghost. Okay, I've never seen Fifty Shades of Grey, but I'd, I'd imagine, and yeah, probably nothing like it, but, you know, you're basically making your bedroom a fuck dungeon. Isn't that what happens in Fifty Shades of Grey? Oh, I, I, ne- I never watched it. Step number four, protect your space in whatever way works with your belief system. Right, so you want to go to Bangtown with a ghost, but you still need to have a belief system. Okay, so how does... Okay, next one. Uh, Start doing... Oh, my God. Start doing some slow, deep breathing. Begin visualizing your ghostly lover what it, he, she feels like, etc. Ask the universe or whomever to send you a ghostly lover. Be very clear that you want to be a positive, good, loving, light, good, loving, oh, good, loving and light as well as hot. Of course. Man, I can't believe this article was written in 2016. That's ridiculous. Okay, step number six, softly add a chant to your deep breathing, something short that you can repeat easy like, come to me loving spirits. Okay, Um, seven is believe. Well, if you've got to step seven and you're doing this, then clearly you believe what you're doing is actually going to happen and step seven backslash should be believe, seek medical professional, talk space. Yeah, that'll help. Hopefully, you will start feeling sensation. Well, this is step eight, sorry. Hopefully, you will start feeling sensations. You may hear something, smell something, notice orbs of light or a shadow. Hopefully, the physical sensations are coming. Often, a feeling of pressure on the body, feel of a soft touch, and then different forms of sexual stimulation. Enjoy it. It's called masturbation. Step nine, throughout the encounter, communicate with the spirit. Make sure you... (laughs) (laughs) make sure there's a mutual respect and that nothing is done or uh, allowed that you are not happy or comfortable with step 10 when When it's all over thank the spirit you can decide whether to invite them back or not and close the veil or the porthole that you opened close your legs (laughs) (laughs) Curiously, verbally state that all uh, all entities must leave and you are closing the veil. You are closing your legs and you are putting the vibrator away. Or in a man's case, you are throwing the tissue or the cum sock into the wash. So there you go, people. There's 10 steps on how to go to plow town with a ghost. From BuzzFeed. Uh, that is a legitimate article. Um, written, let's, what's, what's the date on here? Written in January 16, 2016 and uploaded at 4.06am. So someone might have been having a couple of too many vodkas.
So I know uh, last time we recorded, we I talked about how I was starting a new diet with uh, with light and easy to try and get myself a little bit healthier. So it's been a few weeks since I've since I've done that. So um, I reckon we're what about to about uh, three weeks or so. So I'm happy to report in, uh, I had a week off because I was in Port Augusta, so I didn't do it last week. Um, I'm back into it on Wednesday this week um, when my delivery arrives. But as of the weigh-in last Wednesday, down 2.9 kilos. So you've got to be pretty happy with that, 2.9 kilo or 3 kilos in two weeks when I haven't actually been doing that much exercise. I've just actually been eating properly. Um, and in that weight loss also, there was a big day on the beers after cricket. So that kind of screwed me a little bit. Um, I was doing periodic daily weigh-ins and I know at one stage I was down probably another two kilos from that, but a big day on the beers and then a big dirty schnitzel when you get back to the pub because you've had too much to drink really smashes the scales a lot more than you'd think. So, but I think 2.9 kilos with a big day on the beers, um, at last Wednesday is pretty good. We'll see what the weigh-in is on. Wednesday this week, considering I didn't do it last week, I tried to stay as healthy as possible, but it was, you know, it was uh, 40s and extremely humid while I was away last week, so, you know, I I did one day get takeaway for dinner because I just could not be knackered actually cooking stuff, but I did cook and eat veggies the rest of the time while I was away. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> We'll we'll see we'll see what the scales say on Wednesday because the scales don't lie. Okay, and I also did mention that we would review a food from the light and easy meal plan. So I've decided that I will review a dinner this week. Um, the dinner I am going to review is the slow roasted lamb shanks with roasted vegetables and gravy. Um, comes in a little little packet and you uh, tear the corner up and whack her in the microwave for eight minutes. Um, she cooks away nicely. Uh, about eight minutes, so your microwave goes beep and you go and grab it out, peel the top off and you have your meal right in front of you. Um, I can say that it was absolutely amazing. One thing I've noticed about this food is, and this is by no means a paid advert, light and easy they don't even know I exist. As far as they're concerned, I'm just a dude that gives them money every week so they can deliver me food um, in a big foam box. Then I get the um, the dry ice out of the box and I put it in the sink and then pour water on it and fill my kitchen up with dry ice foam. Um, I'm such a child. Anyway, I digress from what I was actually talking about, the uh, slow-roasted lamb shanks with veggies. So, the slow roast of lamb chains of veggies, yep, um, spot on, perfect. The uh, the lamb was extremely tender and after it was uh, warmed up, pretty much fell to pieces on the fork. Um, plenty of gravy, that's been a fault that I've noticed in a lot of these, um, a, a lot of sort of microwave meals in the past is they don't give you enough gravy. Um, but these, you know, these have plenty of gravy. It's pretty much um, size-wise... The tray's probably, I'd say, maybe, no, it'd be probably 20 centimetres by, say, 10, 15 centimetres. Um, it was 
about half veggies and half meat and gravy and there was enough gravy in there that you could actually mix your veggies through the gravy. The veggies are in there as peas, corn, um, there was carrots and beans in it and also a roasted uh, cauliflower with a cream sauce um, on it. So for someone like me who doesn't actually eat cauliflower and doesn't like cauliflower, I did find the roasted cauliflower with the cream sauce is actually quite nice. You don't actually realize you're eating cauliflower. So by the, by the look of it, there's a lot of cauliflower in, in this menu um, or in these menus so far. And my guess is they're replacing a lot of potato with cauliflower. Um, which, hey, if I can get to eating cauliflower, I'm not going to complain um, because I can make a cauliflower go a lot further than a potato because you only need one little piece of cauliflower and boil it up and you can eat it. So, um, yeah, the, the, meat was, the, the gravy was actually very, very flavorful. It, it tasted like a lamb gravy. It didn't taste like a standard run-of-the-mill um, mixed-up gravy out of a can. It did actually taste like lamb. So... Um, the uh, chefs and the dietitians there at uh, Light and Easy HQ clearly know what's up and what's going on in, in the way that they produce their food. So, you know, I can't fault that. Um, the the order I've got in for Wednesday, I've actually cut back. I'm no longer doing breakfasts. Um, I had a look... I'd, I generally don't eat breakfast anyway because I'm up and going. You know, I'm in the office by 7 in the morning. I don't actually feel like breakfast that early in the morning. But what I'm going to try and do is, is, is I've noticed with a lot of the breakfast, it's either, you know, half a cup of cereal and a cup of milk and a piece of toast and some, and some fruit or some juice or some yogurt or something. So my plan is to do breakfast myself more and just do maybe two pieces of seed toast. So soy and linseed or pumpkin seed or something like that. So I'll just do two pieces of seed toast with a bit of jam on it because there used, there was there's a lot of jam through the thing. No butter, just two pieces of seed toast and jam and maybe get some fresh fruit to have with it or, you know, buy the little tubs of Greek yogurt and just have a Greek yogurt with it in the morning and that's what I'll have for breakfast because I'm just running out of um, time, a lot of the time in the morning to have the breakfast and some of the breakfasts are actually quite large in, in the way that they are, like the one I had yesterday morning from the leftover stuff I didn't eat the week before because I was away, uh, was a two pieces, uh, two two pieces of ham fried, two eggs, on um on two pieces of toast. So you know that's that's not a little two minute cook up that one. So with with tomato. So I'll, I'll probably still I'll probably get eggs and stuff and have eggs um on the weekends. Maybe have eggs, two eggs and two slices of ham on the weekends. Uh, we'll see what happens, but. Yeah, the, the the hardest part I found for me at the moment is is just not because I start you know I start so early in the morning I'm starting at seven in the morning and then I'm you know I'm coming home at like five six o'clock all the time I'm still on the road driving home the hardest thing I found is is not just pulling in and grabbing something um, yeah I, it, sort of you know it's 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 easy just to whiz through KFC and just get half a dozen nuggets and you just want to munch just to munch on something on the way home. Yeah, that's the hardest thing for me I found is just to not just call into a bakery or call into a server or something and just grab a bottle of soft drink and, you know, maybe a sausage roll and just, yeah, oh, that'll do me, that'll get me home, that'll get me through to dinner. And then, you know, you know it's not. After you eat it, you're like, you know, you're instantly hungry again because it's just all shit food. It's not actually filling you up. So that's been my hardest thing and that's that's what I'm working on really hard at the moment is, is to not 
go down that route is to, you know, I'm thinking I might put some, um, put a few, uh, what do you call them? Uh, what are those little tubs with the fruit in them called? Like the fruit salad stuff in them. What are they called? Fruit tubs. Fruit cups? Cups of fruit? I don't know what they're called. Cups of fruit and juice. I thought you might put a couple of them in my fridge. And then when I get, if I get hungry on the drive home, I might just grab one of them out and just nail one of them. And, and you know, it's it's still fruit, I guess. It's, it's it should be healthy. There's fruit cups in, in all of the light and easy menus. So we'll see how that goes. But I think eating eating the lunches and the dinners for mind is is my biggest thing that that I you know that that will be my biggest help um I didn't eat breakfast anyway I haven't eaten breakfast for a long time the only time I really eat breakfast is when I'm on holidays um because it's usually when I go on holidays I don't stay home so I go away somewhere and usually there's like a buffet breakfast so that's about the only time I actually eat breakfast and usually I'm not going down to that till like nine ten o'clock in the morning anyway um but it will see, we'll see how it goes. So we'll see what the scales say on Wednesday, and I can report back um, in the next week or so, and and let you know how that's going on. It might be a couple of weeks before I record again. Just find some more topics to talk about. I've got some feelers out of some friends to get some topic, some uh, get a few topics that we can ramble on about for a bit on the on the lovely podcast. I reckon uh, that'll do us for this week on in the Pillow Fort. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Um, like and subscribe to this podcast. I have an email at which is um, the pillowfortau at gmail.com. Um, feel free to shoot me an email if you have any topics. Um, I did notice that we had uh, 10 listeners on the little SoundCloud thingy the other day. So there's 10 of you that have listened. I don't know whether there's 10 of you subscribed because let's face it, I'm not paying for premium yet. Um, I'll just delete episodes to stay under my however long minutes I've got. So um, I'll just yeah, delete previous episodes. So there'll probably only ever be two or three episodes up at a time. Um, just purely on time. I'm just going to, you know, until I can see that there's a few people listening to it and it's worth it, then I'll, you know, then I might spend the 15, 20 bucks a month to upgrade to, to premium to keep them all up there, but we'll see what happens. Have a good couple of weeks, everyone. Um, summer's now officially over. We're in to autumn. Um, the leaves will start falling. The nights will get longer. The days will get shorter. Things will get cooler. And we're all going to be a hell of a lot happier when it's uh, not... 40 degrees and 100% humidity and we're all dying but until next time pillow fort out